Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. We are delighted you've chosen to join us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And this is episode number seven with Sandra Tanner with Utah Lighthouse Ministry. Please go back and listen to previous episodes. <laughs> it's rich stuff. Nobody's been in ministry to Mormons as long as Sandra or been through as much as she has in kind of opposition with the Mormon church and yet seeing people open, have their eyes open and come to Christ. We were talking about at the end of the last episode, some of the things that people believe in Mormonism that aren't true and particularly things that people are taught about Christians that aren't true. Sandra, do you want to go there? <laughs> well, you started me off on a little different thought there. <laughs> you go okay. wherever you want to go. Well, we had talked a little bit off camera about wanting to know where the name Utah Lighthouse came from and why they chose that. So if that's kind of what you were thinking about leading with Sandra, we'll let you do that and then we'll get into the list. <laughs> okay. We were uh, just a bookstore print shop from 1964 to 1982 and printing religious uh, material on Mormonism. And uh, we had a few books on Christianity, but mostly we had dealt with the history of Mormonism. And uh, then we had, we always were having financial struggles and we were always asking for loans, people to help us. And a minister friend of ours, Said, why don't you go nonprofit? There's Christians that would help support your ministry if they knew it was a ministry, because to most Christians, it just sounds like you're a bookstore. So uh, we thought, well, okay, uh, so, but what do you call it then? So we've been for almost 20 years, we've been known as Modern Microfilm Company, just this print shop and bookstore. So what do you say that's not going to be offensive to the community? Um, what do we put on our title that will not make us an offense to a Mormon business that if they saw the name would uh, put them off and maybe don't want to do business with us? So there were another, a number of considerations that came into what we wanted as a name. But number one, we wanted it to not shout anti-Mormon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we're trying to figure out, well, what would make it sound like it might have something to do about Mormonism without directly saying Mormon. Well, okay, we'll use Utah. Uh, that kind of points you to the direction if we're in Utah. And, and uh, well, then how do we describe what we do or who we are that's not offensive? So we thought, well, if it's a lighthouse, if it's Utah lighthouse, uh, that's not a type of wording that's common in Mormonism. In Christianity, we yes. have a lot of allusions to lighthouses, of Jesus yeah. being the light and that sort of thing. And so we thought, well, that'd be give Christians a clue uh, that if it's a Utah lighthouse, that maybe we'd be Christians doing something to reach people in Utah. So it was that kind of reasoning. We, our employees and us, we just sat around brainstorming one day, everybody throwing out names. And finally we hit on, oh, that sounds positive. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not like we're going to deliberately be out uh, 
attacking the Mormon people. So anyways, that's how we came up with the Utah Lighthouse. <laughs> so, and the and name we, has stuck and has served you very well yes, for a lot of years. Right. <laughs> and your purpose all of these years, what did you see your purpose as? I, um, well, in that sense, as a lighthouse, as a place that a Mormon could come in and sit down without an appointment, without giving their name, and they could just walk in and sit down and talk to me about their faith or about my faith or about why they shouldn't be a Mormon or whatever the questions were. Mm-hmm. We wanted it to be non-threatening, friendly, and uh, hopefully have an open dialogue with someone about the issues. And that's worked. We have, uh, we've had hundreds of people come through our door who will come in and talk with me and they may talk to me for a couple of months and never tell me who they are until they finally get <laughs> confident yeah. enough that I'm not going to go report right. them to the bishop. <laughs> and the bishop doesn't have spies out front that reports them attending our building. Um, and so as the time went by, we built up a reputation of sorts in the area that uh, you can anonymously talk to us. And um, we're not going to uh, try to box you into a corner and, and bombard you with uh, all our knowledge in 10 minutes. You know, I, I'm afraid I did a lot of that at first. I used to <laughs> so did I. I called I, it fire I, hosing. Yes. And uh, so it took a while for me to get to a more kinder, gentler uh, approach to people that didn't just drown them in facts. So uh, it's been a wonderful tool to have a safe place where someone can just walk in and talk about their spiritual questions and their spiritual journey. And we've, through the years, we've seen so many people come to faith in Christ. It's been really exciting. In fact, I tell you a story I remember this morning about Mm -hmm. a a couple of years ago, this mother out of state contacted me about her college age daughter who uh, was her college was a little ways from home. I don't think a long ways, but she wasn't living at home. And the mother realized she was dating a Mormon and the mother was, it was a strong evangelical family. And the way her daughter was writing to her, she was concerned about this boy she was talking with. Mm-hmm. Well, the boy is trying to convert her into Mormonism. And then the relationship started to look serious and they started talking marriage and the Christian mother is um, just really distraught because she was afraid her daughter was starting down a path that uh, under the best scenario would make a divided home religiously uh, and trying whatever way she can to get the daughter to sit down and think a little bit and talk about this. Well, she finally got this daughter and the boyfriend to talk a little with the mom. And uh, that was kind of a rough go. But finally, the mother said, would you both be willing to go to Salt Lake with me and talk with Sandra Tanner? And uh, of course, they were both a little uh, shy about that one, but. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> and they were where? Finally, How far away were they? A few hours. I okay. mean, it, it was half a day's drive. Okay. And so they finally agreed. And the three of them came down to the bookstore. We spent oh, a number of hours talk about anything they wanted to talk about and uh, they let me tell them my side why I left my Christianity um, 
why the Bible, why I don't believe the Book of Mormon's uh, the Word of God, even if it talks about Jesus. <laughs> Went through all these different topics, uh, and it was friendly, and they left friendly. And when they left, I had no idea if I'd accomplished anything. I don't know. You know, how do you know yeah. the, after those things? Yeah. Well, a couple of years went by. I had forgot about them, and the mother and daughter walk into the bookstore. And they had to remind me who they were. And as soon as they told me, I oh, yes, yes. Well, what, what's happened? <laughs> and uh, the mother and the daughter are both glowing. Uh, and the mom says, well, after we got back and my daughter and this guy continued to see each other and talk. And little by little, the daughter realized that it, Mormonism just wasn't another Christian church, that it really had different set of beliefs. And so finally the daughter and the boyfriend broke up and the daughter then met a Christian boy and they got married and were setting out in their new married life to just to honor Christ. And, uh, and, and they just smiled. I mean, they, they just glowed with this uh, happiness mm -hmm. that they had. Now, I don't know what ever happened to the Mormon boy, but I think the girl was still friends with him and she was said she was going to try to continue to uh, share Christ with him as long as they were in contact. Yeah. I think they went to the same college. But it was wonderful to see, um, to be able to see the next step of the story. Mm. Yes. But we, the, a lot of the, this happens a lot, and you never see what happens on the next part of the story. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Bible says some plant, right? And some yes. water, and then some yeah. get to see the salvation. But often right. it's just a planting and watering process. Yeah. And that's what Christians have to remember that yeah. it doesn't happen in one day. We each have our part in someone's story of coming to faith in Christ. Mm. And we yeah. have to be uh, willing to put the effort in where we may not ever see what it's done for someone's life. Just like when I was uh, in the eighth grade and a little Christian girl talked to me about the Mormon doctrine of God, she had no idea whether that would ever impact me. And yet <laughs> she was the yeah. start of my journey out of Mormonism. So I tell people, don't worry about when you get through a tendency to, to feel a letdown. Oh, the Mormon just walked out and it didn't seem to do any good. You don't know. You don't yeah. know of it. But God's going to do it building on that seed you planted. Just like, I don't know who that girl was in eighth grade, but someday I'm going to get to meet her. <laughs> so yeah. that's going to be fun. So this is a perfect time to insert that three days ago, a woman went face down in prayer and gave her life to Jesus. This was a woman whose son had come to know the Lord a number of years ago, tried and tried and tried and tried to talk to his mother. The son has since died, and a oh, couple wow. of years later, mother then um, begins to question her Mormon faith, look into biblical faith, and fully realizes then what it was her son was trying to tell her. But it is a process for yeah. Mormons. I think it has to be a process because there are so many things that we were taught that were not true. Right? right, that have to be re-examined. And that could be a long process, sometimes right. a 20-year process for some people. And sometimes people hang on to things that aren't true for many years, not even realizing they're still hanging on to things that they learned from Mormonism. So some of those examples are in our book, Leaving Mormonism, Why Four Scholars um, Change Their Mind. The first one that everybody's familiar with is if Mormonism isn't true, nothing is, right? Yeah, right. 
So when yeah, I, so so when I, and certainly Mormons don't think to look to biblical faith. First of all, your Bible's corrupt. Yeah. And second of all, your lessers. When I was Mormon, we wouldn't even call ourselves Christians. We didn't want to be called Christians, right? And so the idea that Christianity and the Bible have the answers that you need is not something that Mormons typically even would think about unless a Christian steps into a conversation with them, right? Right. Well, you have the Mormon missionary whose experience can be quite varied, but one thing they are trained on is that to make room for their new answer to your questions, they have to destroy your confidence in the Bible. Not Well, they wouldn't say destroy, but, but the Book of Mormon says in it that the Bible has been changed and corrupted, and many important things have been taken out from it. Yeah. So a Mormon is raised with that kind of a view towards the Bible. And uh, the missionary goes out to give them the new Mormon scriptures. He assumes that it reads the same as it always has, and that the Mormon scriptures are reliable. It's the Bible that's not reliable. Yeah. And then uh, if you study on it, then you realize you can put it the other way back to them. Well, I can show you the reprint of the early printings of the Mormon scriptures, and they've had changes in them. So, but with uh, the Bible, well, the Mormons get confused on this because they think that when they see different versions of the Bible, it means people have changed the Bible and yeah. taken out the precious parts and all of that. And I challenge them, look, get different versions of the Bible to, in today's English, and you'll find they're talking about the same stuff. They just re reword it a little from one version to the next. Um, in fact, I have in uh, the store here at my desk, I have a um, parallel Bible, King James with the New International Version. And so then I'm able to open it up to a Mormon and say, look, see the difference, look at the verses. See, here's the NIV and here's the Bible verse from the King James. Now, was there an effort to change that? No, it's just reworded differently. It doesn't mean that it's had all this corruption. Yeah, the yeah. only corruption to the Bible comes from Joseph Smith translation, who yeah. literally took some verses and rewrote them, right, or added yeah. others. Yeah, in fact, he added in a prophecy about himself into Genesis. Which, yes. uh, which there's absolutely no proof for. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've got this idea that only the Mormon church is the right church. There's no other really valid option out there. The Bible isn't reliable. What are some of the other really common teachings of Mormonism that are simply not true that, that a, a Mormon person who's maybe transitioning or in question needs to realize, okay, this isn't true, so I guess maybe I'd better rethink this and even rethink how I perceive Christianity. No, well, one of the problems uh, that people also faced high on the list is the concept of priesthood and authority. Yes. They always yep. want to know, where did your pastor get his authority? Where mm -hmm. did you get your authority? And uh, when they read the New Testament, like and when they read Hebrews, it doesn't say to them what it says to the Christian because the words have been redefined. And Hebrews has always been told to the Mormon that that's Melchizedek, Aaronic priesthood. Instead of seeing that the whole book is about, we don't need Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthood because we have the final high priest in Jesus Christ. Right. I had, I, people I talk to struggling with issues of uh, priesthood, church, Bible, those things, uh, they don't know where to look for the verses or the answers. And it, it, for a Mormon to even, if they could find a Christian bookstore to walk into, they wouldn't know what to buy. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's why the internet is so valuable to people today because they have 
the different website, Christian number of good Christian websites where they could find parallels to between the two sets of beliefs. And like your own IRR.org and Lynn's, um, where should, what happened? Oh, unveiling, unveiling Mormonism.com. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, at mine at utlm.org. But there's others as well, uh, at which they'll be listed, I know, uh, on my website yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and we'll put them in the show notes. We'll put links to all of our three ministries in the show yeah. notes um, so people can access those. Yeah. Right. One and and although we would each maybe uh, express it a little differently, we're all dealing with the same doctrines. We're all dealing with just faith in Christ, that Jesus is enough. And none of us are pointing you to a particular church. We want right. you to find a Christian church, but we want you to find one that is teaching the word of God and not teaching uh, another aberrant version of Christianity. <laughs> uh, but there are helps out there. I needed those kind of helps. When I came out of Mormonism, I knew there were differences between the two sets of beliefs, but I hadn't figured them all out yet. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I tell people coming out of Mormonism is to get a new Bible that's in modern English. I mean, if you want to go back and keep using the King James, fine. But I think when you come out of Mormonism, you need to sit down and read the New Testament in a modern version because it helps to correct I'm with uh, you. Mormon interpretations. Yeah. When I first came out, I read Philip's uh, translation of the Bible, which is kind of a paraphrase and yeah. way old. I don't know that anybody even reads Philip's anymore, but it helped me rethink verses I had been trained to view in a different light as a Mormon. Mm -hmm. And I would read different verses and I think, wait a minute, uh, they're budgeting with that. I don't remember that verse in the New Testament. <laughs> and I'd have to go get out my King James and look at it. Well, okay. Yeah, I can see that's what they're saying. I just never understood it before. <laughs> yeah. And we'll put a list of some of the probably top three or four English versions that are reliable, that are yeah. faithful to the original manuscripts. Um, so people can just have an idea because there are there are a lot of them. But we'll, we'll link to um, some of the probably three or four yeah. or five that are most reliable and easiest to read and understand. Yeah. Right. That's why I had to do Bible study for a while. Otherwise, Mormons, even if they decide they want Christianity, go to some strange places after Mormonism until they can get all these lies straight, right? And yeah. in order to get those lies straight, you have to get into the word and see what God has to say about that. So one unique thing that our ministry does have is we've identified 40 things that we were taught in Mormonism. And I don't say to a Mormon, this isn't true or whatever. I just say, would, are you interested in what God in the Bible has to say about these things? And then yeah. we've got a topic like priesthood or temples or, yeah. um, you know, pre-existence. And then you just go to the Bible verses and read what the God of the Bible has to say about that for clarity. And then once I sorted through a lot of that, then I was ready to kind of find a church. But it's a little scary to just jump from one place to another without some kind of truth foundation at least it was for me yes it, uh when you first go to a, another church it it seems strange to you and you feel out of place because their order of service is different than what you've seen mm -hmm. their way of worship is maybe different than what you've seen um some people have a real problem with clapping or having a drum uh on the stage or whatever you know mm -hmm. those are cultural yeah. things they have nothing to do with what the gospel is so i i would say just be patient, just realize there are cultural differences that don't change the gospel. And uh, we have to be a little yeah. more relaxed. Uh, 
you won't find regulations that you have to wear a skirt and you have to wear a suit. You can if you want, but but Christianity is not laying down those kind of rules like you would find in Mormonism. The emphasis is, are you worshiping God or are you after the attention of men? And then uh, you get your focus on what you're really there for and you can deal with whatever differences you feel culturally. As long as the focus is on Christ. So maybe for the transitioning Mormons listening, we should be clear about what the gospel is. I think a lot of times we talk around it, right? And they they still don't get it, right? And so let's talk about how the basic gospel is different from what Mormonism believes. And I stick with the term eternal life, right? Because in Mormonism, typically that means the third heaven and temple works. Right, highest level. So yes. Right. Right. So, Sandra. Yes. (laughs) Well, in Mormonism, gospel uh, takes in the whole package of Mormonism. Mm -hmm. Mormon says to me, I love the gospel. They they really are meaning their church. Mm -hmm. I love the LDS faith, culture, teachings, everything. That's Mm -hmm. the gospel. It includes the whole package. When Christians speak of the gospel, we're talking about Christ's death and resurrection for us because we were sinners. We had to have a substitute to do uh, atone for our sins. But in Mormonism, you don't, I don't think they do have a very strong view of how far they've fallen short of their goal of perfection. They're always talking about be perfect. Well, no one can be perfect. And if you, uh, if you come to the cross, you have to be able to say, uh, I'm a sinner, God forgive me. Uh, It's not, uh, like the Pharisee, yeah. Lord, look, I'm, I've done all these things in your name. And the poor publican on the side of him is beating his chest. Uh, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. You know, so which guy do you identify with? The Pharisee or the guy beating his breast asking for forgiveness? And Jesus was pointing people to the publican, not to the righteous Pharisee. So yeah. when we come to Christ, you can talk about coming to Christ, but if you're coming to Christ like the Pharisee, you aren't really seeing what your problem is and what the solution is. But we come as the publican, Lord, I know I have not been serving you as I should. I have not seen my need as I should. I haven't seen what Christ did for me to see how important and wonderful it is. And we have to put that before the Lord in confession and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. And grace is not just living nicer, like a nicer person. Uh, (laughs) yep it's seeing yourself as truly in need that christ is going to supply something to your inner person that you didn't have before a love for god and a desire to please him in what you do not because of a list we're not talking checking off i went to church every day every uh sunday this month you know i paid my tithing this month and you know it's not a checklist it's just like in a marriage to have a good marriage, it, it doesn't mean you have a checklist. I kissed my wife this morning when I went off to work. I told her I loved her, check. Uh, I brought her dinner home that night, check. You know, it's not a, that's not what builds a good marriage. Maybe you need a list, but uh, it, that's not what it really is. A good marriage is wanting to please the other person. We don't have that desire to please God as we should. And that's what we're coming into the Lord daily about. God, I want to love you more. I want to be more loving. I want to represent you to the world more. And it's God that puts all that within us to change our heart. It's not self-effort. It's not checking off a list. It's seeing ourselves as 
all sinners at the foot of the cross needing the same grace and forgiveness from Christ that everyone has to have. Uh, it's it's not um, the, the going to heaven is not like getting a better seat at the symphony. Uh, <laughs> yes. It means uh, we all got to come to the symphony. <laughs> right. And we are happy about it, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. And, oh, and, it's that whole, and it's that whole idea that our main problem is our sin. That's what separates us from God. Yeah. And, the, and the only way to get rid of that sin is to exchange all our sin for the righteousness of Jesus and have that righteousness come as a gift. I mean, that's what grace is all about. It's, it's undeserved favor. Right. And it's nothing we could ever earn or merit. And, and that's why we live out of gratitude. Right. And so what I see in Sandra Tanner and 60 years of Utah Lighthouse Ministry is God's hand on her life and then her desire to spend her entire life. I mean, who doesn't retire at 65 and stays in ministry their entire life? This yeah. woman has given her entire life to helping Mormons understand that they might be in a place of bondage. It might not be real healthy and that um, of course, everyone makes their own decisions, but there is a better way. And so we thank God for the ministries that are out there that reach out to Mormons. There really aren't that many of us, but we certainly have a heart for Mormons and um, Sandra has had one all of her life. Sandra, we honor you and thank you for that. Sandra is largely responsible even for me being in ministry and um, I, I, recognize that and thank her for that oh and we are at Amen. the end friends <laughs> this has been a great series with you sandra thank you so much for sharing your heart for sharing your life um we're just we're so blessed and i know our audience has been blessed as well and hopefully encouraged and and pointed to jesus so Amen. thank you friends thank you. grace and peace until yeah. next time okay so long thank you Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.